morning. Good to see you guys. Man, didn't our worship team do a great job today? If you would, give them a hand. They always do a great job. And it's always encouraging to see uh, them use their gifts and their skills and their abilities to uh, to just lead us to the throne of grace. So awesome. And uh, I want to do a big shout out to Pastor Daniel. Man, he's done a great job the last couple of weeks too. So if you don't mind, give him a little love. He's done a great job. I got speaking at something a few uh, about a week or so ago, and his mom was there, and she was telling me that all the stuff that he tells you that he does, he did, and that uh, she said that you know it's just a miracle that he's even alive. Uh, from everything I gathered from her, he's just a pure moron growing up. So for him to even be here is a great thing, and uh, I'm just so glad God's got him on our team. And he does a great job. I love being able to step out and know that he is he's there and he's got it. And so today we, we kick off a new series. It's called Love Does. And I know for some of you, you might think, well, this is a marriage series. It's not necessarily a marriage series. It's a love series. It's a love series. And I know it's got, you know, a bride and a groom up on the, the graphic and stuff. But really, it's about love. And there's not a person in the room that does not want to feel loved or be loved or understand love or experience love. And so all of us in this room, really, this is a message for all of us. So if you're single and you thought, oh, this is a marriage series, I'm going to check out, don't do that. If you're a teenager or a young person and you think, alright, this is for marriage, I'm gonna check out, don't do that. You're gonna, you're gonna miss out if you do. And so really what this is about is about love. And so for the next couple of weeks we're gonna be kinda of digging into love and what does God say about love. Because here's the thing, the world has got one version, one view, one mentality, and then God has what is truth. And so we wanna dig into God's Word, we wanna see what God's Word has to say about it. Now we'll say this, next Sunday, we will have a vow renewal at the end of both services. And as for uh, any couple in here who feels like maybe God has maybe dealt with them, done with, you know, done a little uh, heart surgery, and maybe they just feel like, you know what, we want to renew our vows. We're going to do that at the end of both services next Sunday, and it'll be special. But it's, this, this series is not just for couples and not just for marriages. I just want you to be clear on that. It is also next Sunday, you guys will probably have, I see somebody looking at the uh, information now, but life groups. Our life group rally will be next week. So we'll have some tables set up in here and there'll be some ways to, you know, kind of connect and get connected in a life group. We want you involved in a life group. I tell uh, the membership class every time we do it and today we do connect after this class and after this service, we'll do the connect class. And one thing I say in there is if you don't get involved or engaged in a, in a uh, life group, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting the mission of our church. We want you connected. We want you involved. We feel like they're that important. And here's the thing. That's a place where you'll see the, the, the love of God poured out. And so we want you to experience that. So if you've got your outlines, kind of follow along. You know, we're going to kick this off. And, and, and I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but who cares? You know what I'm saying? I mean, who cares? It's the same team, it seems like, every year. But uh, the Rams didn't make it this year. But anyway, uh, so we're going to focus on love today. What is the greatest? So love is the greatest. All right, so picking up in uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, it says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. And it is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love, it never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. 
prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole, whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is now is, is partial and complete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, faith hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So... Many of you guys have heard that passage many times. Some of you even have parts of it probably in a plaque or in a, in a frame or something at your house. But there's, there's, there's so much truth in there. There's so much we could dig into. We could do weeks and weeks and weeks in a message series just on this passage here and just on this, uh, this chapter. But there's th- three things there it talks about at the end. It says faith, hope, and love. And the grace of these love. Faith is the very thing that moves the heart of God. Faith is what makes God smile is what Scripture says. We are saved by our faith in what Christ has done. Faith is one of those critical key ingredients. It's, it's what, it's the catalyst, it's the ignition, it's what gets it going. But it says faith is important. Hope. Hope is what drives us, it's what motivates us, it's what we lean into, it's what we believe when we're going through tough times. And hope is what keeps us moving oftentimes. Faith and hope working together. But scripture would say that love is the greatest of these three. So love is the greatest. So, you might be a person of faith, you might be a person of hope, but you need, and we all need to be, a person of love. Where we live a life that is characterized and filled, and, and literally, it, it, is, it is the love of God pouring out and shining through us that makes the difference in this world. And in the relationships around us. And so, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so, here's a passage that Jesus, uh, that out of John chapter 13, where Jesus has just been, thinking about this, He's just been... You know, at the, at the Last Supper, he's there with the disciples. He knows he's about to be betrayed. He's, he, you know, Peter, he, he goes around and, and, and everybody's saying, Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? And then when he gets to Judas, he says, Judas, go and do what you have to do and do it quickly. And so uh, he gets up to leave and Jesus shares this statement with the, with the disciples. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So for every person in the room, every believer in the room, we know that, you know what, Jesus said that, hey, listen, we're to love one another, we're to care for one another, love one another, share with one another, minister to one another. And so so what we see here in this passage is, is Jesus is about to go and lay down his life. And he's telling every one of these guys, he's looking at them, and I can just kind of imagine him looking around and making eye contact with each one and saying, hey, listen, I want you to love one another the way I have loved you. And he's looking at each one of them. And I'm sure they're kind of nodding their head like, okay, yeah, we can do that. But, but it's a powerful moment right there. Jesus said, listen, this is a new command I give you. Don't just tolerate one another. Just don't kind of go through the emotions, but love one another. And, and so we look back at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and, and Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, hey, listen, guys, it's about love. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how great the accomplishments may, may be, that if it's not motivated by love, and if it's not covered by love, and if it's not coming from a place of love, it won't matter. And so I want us to look at a couple of things that love does. Number one is love does give its best. Love does give its best. 
I, I can remember uh, my oldest son, whenever he was younger, used to watch a, a little TV show called Arthur the Aardvark. Anybody remember Arthur the Aardvark? Uh, yeah, I used to watch it. You know, he had Buster and, and uh, a couple of the other guys. And I can't remember this one character. I can't th- remember what his name was. But anyway, he comes over to, to Arthur's house and... And, uh, and everything, he, he's like Mr. Perfect. Everything he does, he's like, yes ma'am, no ma'am. He's put, you know, putting the dishes away. He's like this perfect kid. And Arthur's getting a little agitated about it because he feels like he's making him look bad to his mom and dad. And his mom is like, wow, he is really a sharp kid. Da, 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 da. He's so nice. He's so polite. He's so whatever. And then, and he's thinking, well, he's perfect, you know. And, and then he goes to his house and he sees that he doesn't do that same stuff at his house. It's like he's putting on his best performance when he's out and about. And that's the way we are sometimes, isn't it? You know, we, 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 put, we give our best when everybody's looking or we think. You know, uh, you'll tell your kids, hey, you, you need to be on your best behavior. You hear me? You know, and it's kind of like a threat. Y'all ever do that? Hey, listen, you better behave. You know, all right, I'm, hey, we're fixing to go in and do this. Hey, you better behave. You know, and so what we do is we tell, hey, you better be on your best behavior for this, this moment. And here's the thing. That becomes pretty much a show. Kind of like Arthur. It's a show, right? It, it, it works good. And, and some of you parents, you're the same way, right? I mean, you get around the, the pastor and you act a certain way. You know, and you don't talk like maybe you do when you're around your coworkers sometimes or whatever. Or you get around certain friends and you, you act a certain way. And you get around other friends you can act completely different. And it becomes a show. But here's the thing. Love, love causes us to give our very best. Not for a show, because it's, it's because it's who we are. You see, whenever there's true change, whenever love has truly changed your heart, it's no longer a show, it's who you are. It is your character. It is who you are. And so you love people, you care for people, you give your best, not because you want them to be impressed, you give your best because you love them. And so the whole motivation has changed. The whole direction of the thing has changed. Rather than trying to make me look good, you're trying to make a difference in their life. And so love does. It gives its best. Look at what it says. It says love is patient and kind. Patient. You think about someone who is patient. You know, things can be going like chaotic. There's chaos all around, but they're patient. You know, they're, they're able to, they're long-suffering, as the Scripture says, or some translations would say, long-suffering. They can, they can hang in there. When everybody else is falling apart, they're still, you know, they still got it together. But someone is patient and kind. So what do you think about when you think of someone who is patient and kind? Do you think of an old grandfather, you know, or, or they don't get old and cranky and maybe they're not that type? Or who do you think of when you think of someone who is patient and kind? You know, and, and so I think about someone who, you know, has kind eyes. You ever see one, someone who, you just look into their eyes and it's like they have kindness just pouring out of their eyes. Oftentimes I've said it's like they're, they have smiling eyes. But there's something about them. It's, you know, and the Bible says, or, you know, that our, our eyes are the windows to our soul. And so when people look in, they see kindness and they see gentleness and they see patience. They see the best in someone. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but I think about God does. You know, He, he places His best in front of us. But love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. You know, I think about, when we think of the best in someone, it's not someone who is jealous of everybody. They're jealous of their neighbor, they're jealous of their brother, their sister, they're jealous of their boss, they're jealous of their co-worker, they're jealous of someone. That's not, that's not their best. And we would say that's not the best kind of person. 
you know, jealousy is a green-eyed monster. It will destroy your relationships. And if you're always jealous of someone or envious of someone, you know, then here's the thing. You'll never be happy. You'll always want what someone else has. You'll always want what they have. They grass is greener type mentality. And, and so we go, you know what, that's not the best. But when we think of the best, we do think of someone who's kind and patient, loving. But it says love is not jealous or boastful. So boastful is bragging. You know, letting someone know something, you know, that they don't really have to know, but we want them to know so that we can get credit for it, right? We do that sometimes. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Daniel did a message, or, and, and I, you know, I kind of part of that, and somebody said, man, Daniel did a really good job on that message. I was like, yeah, I know, I helped write it. You know, and, and, and I, that's, that's kind of a pride thing, right? Like, why do I have to say that? You know, but it was, sometimes that's the way we are. We're like, hey, I need that. Well, that was the wrong reasons. That's wrong motivation. And, and so what we do is we often are boastful. We're braggadocious. We're proud. We're arrogant. We're haughty. You know, we want people to know things about us. And, and a lot of times it's because we have such an insecure view of ourselves that we're, we're, you know, we're looking at ourselves and we don't measure up. We don't have whatever. So I'll kind of boast it. I'll kind of boost it. I'll kind of lift it to where maybe they'll think about me the way that I think about them. And so what happens is we begin to become this bragger. And nobody likes to be around people like that, do we? I, I tell my kids all the time, I say, hey, look, the Bible says, let another man's lips praise you. Let someone else speak highly of you, praise you, you know, build you up. Whenever you start doing it, you start talking about how great you are and how good you are and how, you know, whatever you are, you start losing credibility. And, and so love, let me read it again, is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. It's not proud. Sometimes we become arrogant, proud. I've I, I told a guy this past week, I asked him, I said, hey, listen, I want you to do a word study. I said, I want you to do a word study on pride. I said, and, and pride, and I said, there's a couple of other words in Scripture that kind of parallel with it, kind of line up with it. I said, but you've got pride, you've got arrogance, you've got haughtiness, and even stiff-necked. The nation of Israel was known as being stiff-necked. They've become prideful and arrogant. So prideful, arrogant, haughty, stiff-necked. You know, look, look that up and just do a word study and see what God says about those things. See what, how He feels about those things. What, you know, what is His view on, on those qualities or those characteristics? I said, then I want you to do a, a word study on humility and being humble. I said, and so I want you to kind of do a, a parallel. I want you to kind of look and see what pride, what God says about that, and then look and see what God says He'll do about humility and what He desires, what He loves to see. And, and so, when we look at this passage, and it says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. And here's another one, or rude. We live in a culture where it's almost kind of, you know, the thing to do is to be rude. It's kind of like, you know, being a smart aleck. Anybody here a smart aleck? Anybody know any smart alecks? Anybody sitting by a smart aleck? Raise your hand, you know. But anyway, you know, here's the thing is, it's almost like, you know, it's okay to be rude and curt and kind of cut somebody. I can remember growing up, there was a time, you know, how you, you know, your mama so whatever. Those were kind of the jokes. That's just what you did. You know, and so it's like you have to fit into the culture. And so we live in a culture where it's almost cool to be rude, and it's not. It's not, it's not love. It's not what God says is love. And so love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or rude, proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. That is contrary to most of us, right? I mean, that, we, we all want it our way. 
You know, Burger King used to have a slogan, hey, we'll do it your way. You know, type deal. It's, uh, it's, we want it our way. Like some of you guys, when I said Burger King, you're already thinking about where you want to go to lunch and you're wanting to go to where you want to go, right? It's the way we do it. I mean, we want it to be what we want. So we want it to be our way. So what I'm saying is, love does, it gives its best, not this junk. It gives its best. God gave His best. Look what it says in 1 John here. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. There it is again. For love comes from what? From God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. For God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that He that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. So here we look at this. God gave His best. And so, what, what Scripture is saying that, listen, we, you know, the people around us deserve our best. They need, they need to see us as being kind and patient. They need to see us at our best. God gave His very best. God gave His one and only Son to come here to die so that we might live. And, and it's not because of anything that He had done wrong, but because of the sin I had committed, the lies that I had told, the, the ego that I had, the, the, the pride that I had, the, the stealing that I had done. Everything that I had done is what Jesus came for. And it's the same for you. The same thing, that everything that you've done wrong, that's the reason Jesus came. So God gave His very best, the precious, perfect Lamb, Jesus Christ. He goes to a cross. We just got through singing about the cross. He went to the cross. He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. That's how much He loved you. That's how much He loved me. And so love, it comes from God. Too often, you know, we, we go through life... And we want love. There's so many songs written about love. I mean, you know how many songs are written out about love. I even Googled. I was going to try to figure out how many songs are there written about love. And it's like, dude, there's no way to even count them. There's no way to count how many poems have been written about love. How many books have been written about love. Because everybody wants it. That's what I'm saying. This is not just a marriage deal. This, this is every one of us in this room. We want love. But here's the thing. We are often wanting what the world's trying to sell is a feeling, an emotion, and emotions, man, they're like this. They're up and down. Some of you guys woke up on the wrong side of bed this morning, right? I could probably ask your spouse and they would give me an answer on that. But here's the thing. Sometimes we wake up on the wrong side of bed. Sometimes we wake up, we just don't feel good. Sometimes we wake up, we're irritable. You know, but the thing is, is love is not an emotion. It's an action. It's a decision. It is commitment. Love is, 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 is doing something. And so God loved us. Love is from God. Love is God. I mean, think about that. And so we we abuse it. We, we 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 even in this world we try to say that you know sex is love. No, it's not really not at all. Sex can be a part of a love situation, but the thing is, is we equate it to sex, and that's demeaning of what love is. But it says God showed how much He loved us by sending His one. And only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through Him. Listen to this. This is real love. This is real love. If you want to know what real love is, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's real love. Now this is the way we work. We say, hey, if you'll love me, then I'll love you. 
Hey, if you'll do what I want you to, what you to do, then I'll love you. Hey, if you'll scratch my back, then I'll consider scratching your back. And so what we do is we, we base love on, hey, if you do, then I'll do. But God said, you know what? You couldn't do. You couldn't qualify. You didn't have it in you. You were in your sin. You were, you were caught up in your sin. And so God loved us even when we were in our sin, when we were broken, when we were far from Him, when we didn't care about Him. He loved us. And so here, here's what it says. This is real love. is when you love people even though they can't love you back. When you love people even though they may hate you. The Bible says to love your enemies. To love your enemies. Think about that. The people that want to see you dead. The people that want to see you destroyed. The people that want to see you lose, fail, hurt, whatever. The Bible says that you're to love them to the point that you pray for them. And you pray blessings over them. You know, we, we go, man, I can't even hardly get my mind around that. You know, they're pray, they, they hate me. God says, well, then bless them. Love them. Pray for them. Pray for change in their life. You know, we have enemies that, that want to see us fail. And we are to pray for their success. And here's the thing, pray for their life to be changed. So some of the people that you hate the most are the ones that you ought to be praying for the most. And so God... Loved us even when we were in our brokenness. And so real love is this. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So if we're going to say that, you know what, we want to we wanna follow the model that is given to us, then we love people who can't love us back. We love them enough to pray for them. To stand in the gap for them. Here's another one. Love does forgive and forget. Love does forgive and forget. You might say, well, Mike, that's not in the Bible. That statement is not in the Bible, but the Scripture sure does allude to it. And so that statement, forgive and forget, you know, we've heard that before. Forgive and forget. You need to forgive and forget. Well, that's not, that's not in the Bible as far as that statement, but here's the thing is, what we see is that we know that we are to forgive. That we're to forgive. And so, whenever we see people going through life, you know, and there's times that they will hurt us, we, we get in a relationship, someone hurts us, we've got to choose to forgive. And I've told people this many times through the years, you know what, that person may never ask for forgiveness. And, and if you're waiting for someone to ask for forgiveness, they may never ask. But you've got to just say, you know what, I choose to forgive you. It, it becomes your choice. It's the power that God has given you, the ability to make a choice. So you choose to forgive someone who has hurt you. And it could be anybody. It could be your dad, your mom. You know, maybe you grew up in an alcoholic home or a drug, a, a drug addiction home. Or maybe you grew up in no home at all. Maybe you were homeless, whatever. Or maybe you grew up in an abusive situation, you know, and you've got to be able to say, you know what, God, I, I choose to forgive. God gives you that authority and that ability and that power to be able to say, I choose to forgive. And so we know that we're, we're to forgive, but the forgetting part seems almost impossible. Most of us in this room go, Mike, there's no way I can forget what has happened to me. God says that He forgives the sin and He forgets it. He remembers it no more. And you say, yeah, Mike, He's God, I'm not. And I totally get that. But... Let's dig a little bit. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive the others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Matthew six fourteen through 15. If you forgive your, those who sin against you, then our heavenly Father will forgive our sins. But if we hold something against them, it says He won't forgive us. In, in, in Corinthians here it says... It is, Love is, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. 
For many of us, we keep a score, don't we? I mean, we keep a score on how many times someone has hurt us. We remind them a lot of what they've done. Maybe you're in a relationship where someone has wounded you or hurt you, and you remind them all the time what they've done. You think that relationship's going to get healthy? Probably not. Not until you get healthy. And so what we do is we, we use it as leverage. You know, we, you know, we, sometimes we've already had a discussion. We've already worked through something. We've already kind of, you know, come to an agreement. And then what we'll do is we'll get in an argument over something. We'll reach back and say, well, you remember back when you did this? And what we do is we take that back and we want to leverage it in, in our favor. And what we've got to be willing to do is say, listen, if I have forgiven you, then I've got to leave that in the past. And too often what we do is we go through life looking over our shoulder, looking into the past, and we can't really be effective in the relationships that are in front of us because we're focused on the past. It's kind of like driving down the road and always looking in a rearview mirror. You know, there's a time that you might want to look back and reflect. And it's called a reflection. We might want to reflect, but we don't focus on that. We focus on what is in front of us. We focus on the here and now. I think about, you know, Paul who wrote Corinthians here. He wrote to the church at Corinth there. What if Paul was like, you know what, man, I can't do this. I'm, I was a murderer. I held the, the, the clothes for the people while they stoned Stephen and murdered him. I, I pursued the church. I did everything I could to crush it. You know, I, I can't be used by God. If I look back at my past, man, I was a murderer. I was, I was doing everything to destroy the kingdom of God. And so Paul might say, well, you know what, I'm not going to be able to write this book. God, you'll have to get somebody else to write it. Now here's the thing, God would have gotten somebody else to do it. But we'd have missed out on seeing one of the greatest missionaries the world's ever seen in Apostle Paul. And who would write the, the books that we see to the churches and the letters to the churches and the words of Scripture that we get to hear that are inspired by God. And so Paul, he could have said, hey man, I'm focused on my past, but he didn't. He said, man, I press on for that which is in front of me. He said, man, I press on towards what God has in store for me. And too often what we're doing is we're focused on our past and we're not looking to the here and the now or even the hope that God has for us and the future that God has for us. And we've got to be willing to say, God, I want want you to help me forgive myself first. And God, I want to be able to forgive whoever I have offended. God, I I want to ask you to forgive me. And we've got to be willing to take those steps. So love love does forgive and forget. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. Ephesians 4, 31-32 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Those, those are words that Paul is writing to us. He said, hey, listen, guys, you've got to get rid of any of the garbage, any of the stuff that is contaminating your heart. And you've got to let God, you've got to let the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God fill your heart so that you are a different person. That it's no longer a show, but it literally is who you are. And that you can forgive, and you can move on, and you can, you know, become a healthy individual in a healthy relationship. Too often, man, we won't let things go. And there's some of you in this room, you're sitting here now, and as I read that, you know that your heart is full of bitterness, anger, rage. Maybe it's to your ex. Maybe you're already divorced. Yeah, that's the popular thing, to get a divorce. You know, maybe your spouse cheated on you, or whatever it might be. Maybe your mom or your dad, they, they didn't do some things, or maybe they did do some things, and you're bitter and you're anger, angry with them, and you're thinking, man, Mike, there's no way I could forget that. But God has a way of changing our heart, renewing our mind. Romans 12 tells us that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way you think is completely different. You know, I, I, there's often times that I, 
I'll get around certain people, maybe from back in my teenage years. And we'll get to talking. And all of a sudden, there's things that come up that I have forgotten about. And I know you think, well, you know, there's things I can't forget. I'm just saying there's certain things I have forgotten about that I've moved on. I've focused on what God has in store for me. But I get around certain people and they'll want to bring that up, you know, and I realize, you know what, man, I don't want to, I want to go that back down that road. I don't want to live in my past. And so, you ever, have you guys got friends that like to live in the past? There's certain things, you know, I like to remember. There's certain things I don't want to remember. I want to be able to move forward. I want to go, you know what, God has forgiven me. I've forgiven them. And I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to move forward. And so I'm just telling you, there are things that we can forgive. Everything we're, we need to choose to forgive. But there are things that we can forgive if we focus on what's ahead of us. Instead of focusing on the past. And so, love does forgive and forget. And let me just say this. In relationships, we have to be wise as a serpent. That's what Scripture teaches us. And harmless as a dove. So maybe you're in a relationship. Let me just be clear on this. There may be some of you guys, you're in a relationship. And uh, it's an abusive relationship or it's a, a toxic relationship. You've got to be willing to say, you know what? I do need to forgive, but I don't need to be in this relationship. Now, if you're in a marriage, you need to seek counsel. You need to go to a Christian counselor, get someone to help you navigate that. And it doesn't mean that you have to stay in an abusive, bad situation or dangerous situation. Don't ever think that. But maybe there's a time for separation. I know there's some pastors say, I don't think you ever should separate. I think there's a time it's not a bad thing to kind of pull you apart because you are toxic. But the thing is, is the goal, the focus is always to be to mend and to restore and to be healthy and to be whole. And to be the, the, the marriage that you've always dreamed of. The couple that you've always wanted to be. Many of us in this room, you're married and you're thinking, you know what, my marriage is not where it needs to be. Then what are you going to do to get it there? Are you willing to go to counseling? Are you willing to die to some things? Are you willing to maybe kind of have, let God do some spiritual surgery on you and, and maybe cleanse some areas? Maybe there's some addictions in your life that it's, it's, it's destroying your marriage. Little by little. And you keep going, hey, I'm going to quit one day. Or I'm going to stop one day. But you know that it's destroying your marriage. But you know what? You don't care because it's about you. It's about what you want. It's when you want it. Not what your family needs. Not what your marriage needs. But it's about what you want. That becomes our mentality. And that's not, that's not a picture of what love is. So love does forgive and forget. Here's another one. Love does hate evil. Love does hate evil. We, we, uh, it says down here, it says, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love loves the truth. Love, it, it, it loves to see the truth win out. It loves to see the truth, uh, kind of uncover some things. Now we, a lot of times, we like to try to cover things up, but what we, un, what we uncover, God says He will bless. What we try to cover up, what we try to cover up, He says He will bring it out into the open for everybody to see. So the more that we open it up, the more that we reveal the truth, God says, you know what, He'll bless that. And, and so we've got to be willing to dig and, and get into the truth of things. But love hates, hates evil. L- listen to what it says in Proverbs. It says, there are six things that the Lord hates. No, seven things He detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil. Feet that race to do wrong. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who sows discord in a family. If you want to know what God hates, it's in Scripture. It's right there. He hates, God hates sin. God hates sin. We just got through reading a while ago that God is love. So love hates sin. God has given us the ability to be able to hate some things. Because here's the thing. God hates them. 
And so anything that destroys life, anything that destroys God's plan, God's purpose, that comes against it, we're to hate. And so here's a question that we ought to ask ourselves. Do I hate sin or do I just hate that God convicts me of my sin? Do I hate sin? Do I hate lying? How many guys like hate a liar? It's not that you hate a liar, but you hate lying. You hate lying. Man, I cannot stand a liar. I cannot stand to be around someone who I know is lying to me. It just, it eats me alive. And, and you know, and, and so the thing is, is we, we don't like a liar. Well, God doesn't either. So let me look at these again. It says, God detests haughty eyes, arrogance, haughty eyes. You know, a lying tongue. Someone who is, who's telling you just whatever you want to hear. Who's not telling the truth. Who's feeding you a bunch of lies. God hates that. Hands that kill the innocent. You know, last week, Pastor Daniel did a great job of presenting our stance on, on life. We believe that life begins at conception. You know, when Psalms 139 says that God knits us together in the secret place in the mother's womb, that whenever that baby, whenever conception takes place, life begins. And God begins to shape and form that baby, that child. It's the reason we support a ministry that helps reach young women who are, who are debating whether or not they're going to abort that child. We want to see that child live. We want to see life. We want to see that child have a hope and a future. So we believe in that. So obviously in the last couple of weeks there's been uh, some laws that have been passed in certain states. I think it was New York where you can have an abortion all the way up until, the, you know, right before birth, which is pure murder. And so we, we take a stand on that. We say we, we, we hate that because God hates that. I mean, look at that passage. It says God hates, hates hands that kill the innocent. There's not a better picture of it than that. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know what? God hates that. We hate that. Now, do we love the young lady? Absolutely. Do we love the child? Absolutely. And so we love it to the point that we're willing to do, we're willing to invest. When you guys give and you give sacrificially to the big give offering and other things that you do on a Sunday, on a regular basis, when you tithe, we help support ministries that battle against abortion. Because we believe that that is life. And we believe that, you know what, God hates it, so we should hate it as well. But we should do everything we can to be there for those women who are, who are struggling and who feel like, you know what, I don't know what to do. We believe in counseling and walking with them. God hates a, a heart that plots evil. Let me ask you, are you one that all loves to stir up trouble? Are you a drama queen, drama king? Do you love to kind of get things going? Do you love to kind of get people, you know, going against each other? Let me tell you, God hates that. You may not want to hear that, but I'm just saying, if you're one that loves to stir stuff up, loves to get things going, you might want to look at what God hates. He hates one that plots evil, that loves to get dissension going. Feet that race to do wrong. God hates it when someone loves to just go do wrong. There's some people that, man, they love to see how close they can get to evil. I had a guy that, he was a minister, he was a pastor. I remember telling him, I said, you know what? I said, I love you, buddy. I said, but you know what you do? I said, you do everything you can to see how close you can get to sin rather than how close you can get to God. Now, I wasn't trying to be talked down to him. And he, you know, here's the thing. He admitted that. He goes, you're right. But he, he it was, how close can I get to sin Rather than how close can I get to God? How, how, how godly can I be or how sinful can I be and still people think I'm a Christian? So which one are you? Do you, do you rush to, to do evil? You, hey, you get in the right scenario, the right people, all of a sudden you're going to do the right thing. You get in the wrong scenario, wrong people, you're going to do the wrong thing every time. Or can you stand on your own? A false witness who pours out lies. Obviously God hates lies a lot. A person who sows discord in a family. Man, you've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, I, I want to bring unity to our family, to our church family. God, I don't want to be that person that causes dissension in the church. I, I, I tell people all the time, 
We're doing a connect class today right after this service. And one of the things that we talk about in there, hey, listen, if you don't trust the leadership here, don't join. I mean, we're, we're just that clear. Don't join. If you don't, if you don't feel like, hey, this is the right place for you to be, that's okay. I mean, you don't, we, we don't want just numbers here. We want people who are on board and on mission with what we're trying to do. We, we feel like God has us here to reach the lost, the unchurched of this, this uh, community. It's not just to suck people out of other churches. I mean, that's not why we are here as a church. I hope you guys know that. We want to reach the unchurched, the unsaved, those that are far from God with the life-changing message of the gospel. And it's going to take all of us doing our part to do that and accomplish that. And so the thing is, is don't come in and be one who says, well, they don't do it like my last church is. This ain't your last church. And so I just want to be clear. We want to reach the lost. We want to make disciples of them. We want to equip them and prepare them for every good work that God wants to do through them. That's why we exist as a church. And if you want to be a part of that, then come on, let's go. But let's make disciples. Let's reach the lost. Let's share the gospel. Let's share our testimony. Let's do what we can to reach as many as we can before we leave this place. That's what it's about. Look at what it says here. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Listen to that again. Don't just pretend to love other people. But really love them. And I'm not talking about just your family members. And I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about the people that you're going to come in contact with today. Maybe at a restaurant. Maybe driving down the road. Maybe the people that you feel like, you know what? I don't agree with them. But here's the thing. Do you love them? Don't pretend to love them. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hate is a strong word. I remember we were watching Monday Night Football one night. And one of the, one of my best friends, he had a little brother named Fat Jack. That's what we called him. That was probably not very loving, but I'm just saying, but his name was Fat Jack. And so Fat Jack goes, he goes, I hate Howard Cosell. And his dad goes, boy, you don't hate nothing. You may dislike him a lot, and I do too, but you don't hate nothing. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's all what the Bible says. The Bible says to hate some things. And so God gives us that choice and that ability, the capacity to love and to hate. But we should hate what is evil. So here's, here's the last one here. Love does trust God. Love does trust God. God is not a man, so He does not lie. He is not a human, so He does not change His mind. Has He ever spoken and failed to act? And has He ever promised and not carried it through? Numbers twenty three nineteen. Scripture makes it clear. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. He's not like us. You know, we can be fickle. Man, we, and we, you know, we talk about fair weather fans and stuff. But here's the thing is oftentimes we're not that friend that people can count on sometimes. We're not the family member that somebody can count on. We're not the spouse that our spouse should be able to lean into. But the person that we can always lean into is God. We can, we can, we can lean into God. Love does trust God. Look at what it says here in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. There may be times that you'll go through tough weeks. Some of you guys may be in the middle of it now. Maybe you're in the middle of a tough week. Maybe there's things going on. Maybe it's physical things. There's been a lot of uh, good people that I've seen uh, die over the last few weeks. Uh, good people, godly people that, you know, got received the ultimate healing. I know a lot of times we grieve. It is our loss, but it is their gain if they know Christ. Because they go to no more pain, no more tears, and they're in the presence of God. And so maybe there's some physical things you're going through. Physical things that you feel like, man, I just can't go another step. God, lean into God. Trust Him. 
Maybe there's some relational things. Maybe your relationship is on the rocks. You don't know, hey, I don't, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can put up with this any longer. And here's the thing, it doesn't mean to tolerate and put up with certain things, but maybe there needs to be some change. And I'll tell you this, I can't change anybody. I can't change my wife, but I can let God change me. I can't change anybody, but I can let God change me. And I think in every relationship, we just got to be willing to say, God, start here. What we often want to do is we want to fix our spouse. We want to fix whoever else is in a relationship. We can't. We just say, God, will you start with me? God, will you teach me to love? God, will you teach me to be patient and kind? God, will you teach me to kind of let some things go? God, will you teach me to truly forgive the way you forgive me? And so I'm just saying, if we begin to say, God, I want you to work on me. I want you to change me. Then here's the thing. We have to trust him. I trust his hand as the great surgeon. To do the spiritual surgery that I need right now. There's times that we go through dark weeks and maybe tough seasons. And we just have to be willing to lean into God and say, God, I trust you. I don't see how you're working. I don't know how this is going to be better. I had a gentleman walk up to me after the first service. And he was talking about all that he was going through a few years ago. And he said, he goes, I remember saying, God, I don't see how you're going to make this happen. He said, and he looks up and he sees Romans 8.28 on a billboard. And he said, he said, God just spoke to him and just made it clear. He said, you know what? I'm at work. I'm at work. You may not be able to see how God is working in this situation. It may be just dark. It may be dreary. But I'm just telling you, He's at work. All things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Do you trust God? Sometimes we go through tough weeks and we just think we trust God until we hit those weeks and we go, you know, I, I, I don't have strength. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go. But God, I trust you. So let me ask you, do you lean into you or do you lean into God? Too often we think, well, I'll just read more. I'll do more. I'll, 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 I'll whatever. I'll do whatever. And, and sometimes God's just, hey, listen, I just need you to trust me. Just lean into me. Just trust me. So do you really trust God? Because love does. We love God. We trust Him. We lean into Him. Here's a couple of next steps for, for maybe for you today. Number one, it says, I will receive God's love gift for me through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe today you realize, you know what, man, I've never accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been religious your whole life. Maybe you've been involved in church. Maybe you've even got your membership, your name on a card somewhere. You signed a card and you say, well, my, I'm a member of the church. So what? Have you ever received the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ? God's greatest gift given to us. Have you ever received that? And maybe for you today, you go, you know what, that's what I need. You've been searching for love. You want somebody to love you. You want somebody to care for you. And here's the thing, there's nobody that loves you like Jesus does. Nobody. Nobody loves you like He does. And too often we're looking for what the world paints as, hey, this is love, and it's not love. It's counterfeit. It's fake. It's phony. And what God is saying, listen, if you'll lean into me, I'll give you what is, what is satisfying. There's a void within every one of us who are born with it. And the only thing that will feel that is God. There may be somebody here today that you go, man, I want, I want to know what love is. True love is. And I want to know God. Because obviously He is truly what love is. Maybe that's the step you take today. Here's another one. I will choose to live a life of forgiveness. Maybe you say, you know what? I realize there's some people I need to forgive. And oftentimes we, we think that we're doing, for, we're forgiving someone for them. No, we're forgiving them for me. 
when we don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and hoping that someone else dies. And it just doesn't work that way. And so maybe today you say, you know what? There's someone that, that I know I need to forgive because I'm holding bitterness and anger and resentment inside my heart. And it is eating me up like a cancer. And so I'm going to choose to forgive because that's what love does. That's what love does. Could be your mom, could be your dad, an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe they did something to you they should have never done. And oftentimes, you know what? They've already passed on. They've already died. And you go, how can I forgive them? I had a young girl who'd been sexually molested by a relative. And she came to me and she was broken over. She said, I know I need to forgive him, but I don't know how. She goes, he's already dead. I said, write a letter. I said, she wrote a letter and she went to his grave and she stood at his grave and she read that letter. And offered forgiveness to someone who had offended her. And what she received was peace. It's like a burden gone. Healing began. And so here's, here's what I would just encourage you to do. Is there's something you need to forgive, someone you need to forgive, you know, an act or something that has done, been, happened to you, just make that choice today. To God, I choose to forgive. And here's the thing, you may have to get up tomorrow morning and say, God, I choose to forgive again. God, I choose to forgive as I move through this day. God, I choose to forgive. I want to forgive the way you have forgiven me. And here's what I'm telling you. It will bring healing to you. It will bring healing to you. Look at this last one. I will strive to love others as proof that I'm a follower of Christ. Now, I put strive because strive is something, hey, we have to work at, we have to do. It's hard to love your enemy. It's hard to love those that you feel are against you. It's hard to love those that you feel like are wanting to see you defeated and destroyed. But just say, God, I want, to, I want to love with a love that is real. And God, it's obvious to me that it starts at the heart. And so I want, I want to just encourage you, man, strive this week to love people, anybody, everybody, with the love that comes from God. Ask Him to give you eyes to see them, and he's, see them as He sees them. To love them as He loves them. And to seek to serve them as He would lead us. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and... Maybe you're here today, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never received God's love. You've never received the, the gift of eternal life, God's greatest gift. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's as simple as this, just saying, God, I am a sinner. And God, I have messed up. I have blown it. God, I want to ask you to forgive me. God, I want to ask you to change me. Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you come into my life? Will you be my Lord, my Savior? And his answer is yes. And so if that, if that is your plea, I promise you, he wants to meet you right there. You say, Jesus, I want to ask you to come and live within me. Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me. Will you please forgive me? His answer is yes. Jesus, I want you to give me wisdom and guidance as I move forward. I need you to change my whole life. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And he says he'll bless that. If you just pray that simple prayer, the Bible says you will be saved. Now, we think that's too easy. That's just too easy. But God made it simple enough that a child can come to know Him. Childlike faith. Or a senior adult can come to know Him on His deathbed. It's all by faith. It's not by works so any of us can boast. So maybe you're here today and you go, Mike, that's me. So I want to lead you to a simple prayer. Just a simple prayer. Just, just say, Jesus, 
I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And Jesus, I ask you to come and live within me. Will you heal my broken heart? Will you teach me to live for you? I give you my life. With all the faith that I have, this is my prayer today. If that's your prayer, the Bible says you will be saved. Now I want to speak to the rest of you in this room. There may be many of others in this room that have made that decision years ago. But you know what? You're walking around with bitterness and anger and resentment in your heart. Slander. It's like poison. I want to give you an opportunity just to, just to come before the Lord and say, God, I want to ask you to forgive me. God, help me to forgive whoever has wounded me. And God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my wickedness, my evil that I'm toting around, that I'm I'm using against people. God, I want to ask you to forgive me. And God, I want you to help me forgive whoever has wounded me. God, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Will you help me to forgive myself? Will you help me to forgive others? I'm just telling you, if, if you're sincere, it's only by faith that we can do that. He will give you a love for people. And He'll replace that bitterness and that anger and that resentment and that slander with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The very fruits of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. And Lord, I, I pray, that God, I pray that there's just one person in this room would give their life to you today. God, we would celebrate as a church like never before. God, thank you that you care about every part in this room, every decision in this room. God, as we move through this series and we talk about what love is, God, I pray that you would change marriages. I pray that you would change hearts and relationships. God, you'd change our focus. God, help us to become all that you want us to be. God, help us to just literally lay our life before you. Let you do the spiritual surgery that needs to be done in our lives. And God, let everything start with us. Let it begin here. And God, let it overflow into the lives of the people around us, our family, our spouses, our co-workers, our community. God, thank you for loving us so much that you would send your only son. God, thank you for your love for us and that you don't give up on us. In Jesus' name, amen.